Yes, praise the Lord. So it's good to have you in the house of the Lord. First service, we had a great, great turnout this morning. Those guys in the first service pulled some preach out of me, okay? So you got something, you got you to measure up. I'm going to challenge you right now. Because uh, they, oh my goodness, they were squeezing to preach out of me. And I was like, yes, this feels good. So I pray you're going to do the same because we have an exciting subject that we're dealing with. Part three, actually, uh, you can trust the Bible. And the reason that this is so very important, because let me tell you what, if this Bible here tells us that our God loves us so much that he's made a way of reconciliation that we can have relationship with him. We can receive his blessings. We can receive his redemption. We can receive forgiveness of sin. We can receive his great love. We can receive his supernatural power. We can receive provision. And let me tell you what, if this Bible is true, all of that is yours. If this Bible is true, that means he says, I sent my word and healed all your diseases, that healing is yours. If this Bible is true, come on now, he is Jehovah Jireh. He said, I'm your God, your provider. If the Bible is true, we know we're not walking in this earth all by ourselves. We know that we're not depending on our own smart and our own strength, but we have a dependence on an almighty God who loves us and wants to be involved in the everyday affairs of our life. If you can trust the Bible, then everything in this Bible and all that it promises is yours. So the question is, can you trust the Bible? Because let me tell you, Satan's number one tactic, he did it in the garden, he did it with Jesus, and he'll do it with you, is to get you to doubt the Word of God. He came to Eve and says, surely God didn't mean that, surely God didn't say that, and he tried to water down twist what God had said. He came to Jesus in the wilderness and he said, you know, if you are the son of God, God had already said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That was the word of God. But Satan says, if, if, if that's true, if, then you got to prove it and turn the bread into uh, the stone into bread. And Jesus said, what? It is written. He went to the word. It is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. How exciting to know that even Jesus relied on the reliability and the faithfulness of the word of God. If you can believe the word of God, you can believe God for everything he has promised. Your faith can take hold of the supernatural and bring it into the natural. We are to be the lightning rod. We are to be the conduit of God's will in heaven and God's work in heaven coming to earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus says, I'm building my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's time we, the church, be built up on the word of God, the truth of God, and exercising faith in it to see God's word manifest here on earth. I was recently, I was, uh, the Lord was leading me in preparing this uh, series, uh, You Can Trust the Bible, and just to throw a little jet fuel on it, uh, it was brought to my attention where someone is arguing on social media uh, about uh, some Christian uh, stances. And they were challenging, you know, you know, who said a man can't marry a man and a woman can't marry a woman and all of that be honored by God? Who said that? Somebody said, well, the Bible. They said, well, you can't trust the Bible. They said the Bible has been copied and copied and, and it's the uh, ideas of man and the will of man. You can't trust the Bible. And uh, so they were using that same argument. And I'm like, oh God, I see why you had me preparing this. Uh-huh. Because the devil's still using that and we're going to come against it and we're going to know that we as Christians can trust the Bible. So that's part three today of this. The Bible, let me tell you, is the most incredible book ever known to mankind. It's the best-selling. It is the most quoted. It is the most published. It is the most circulated. It is the most translated. It is the most influential book in the history of mankind. There's no close second to the Word of God. Nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It is a supernatural book. Praise God. So, so uh, we ask the question, how can we know that the Bible's just not an ancient book uh, of fiction or folklore? Well, we've given you 10 
Can you believe it? Ten points. That sounds like a long sermon to me. Well, that's why we're doing it in a series here. Let's do a quick review. Uh, the first five, we gave you an acrostic of faces to help you uh, remember those. If you remember, the first five starts with an F there. Uh, how you can know you can trust the Bible. First, fulfilled prophecy. Uh, God has uh, given prophetic words hundreds of years before to the, to the detail of how it would be fulfilled, and then it was fulfilled. A uh, mathematician with his students took and did a study. If only eight, if only eight of the detailed prophecies hundreds of years before of Jesus had been fulfilled to the letter by Jesus, what would be the probability? And the probability was 10 to the 28th power. So you say, well, what does that mean? Well, he said it would look like this. Silver dollars, if you take silver dollars, put a magic marker mark on one. You stack silver dollars as far as high, waist high and cover the state of Texas. Blindfold someone, the probability they could reach into all of Texas with silver dollars up waist high and pull out that one coin with the magic marker on it, that's the probability of Jesus fulfilling just eight, not the hundred plus, but just eight. Now, if you were to fulfill all the prophecies that Jesus had prophesied about him, as he did fulfill, uh, if we took that probability, he said it would look like this. You take those same silver dollars, you stack them 120 feet high. So we're looking at like a 12-story building, a 13-story building, and you cover all of the land mass of the earth at 12 stories high, and you had that one coin with that one mark on it, blindfold someone, the probability they could reach in and pull that one coin out, the first ch chance, the uh, first selection, would be the probability that Jesus could fulfill all of those prophecies. And he did. And he did. So fulfilled prophecy is one of the most powerful uh, uh, underlying uh, foundations of why you know the word of God is true and you can trust it. And then there's archaeological evidence. Someone just in this series has sent me another uh, most recent article of another archaeological dig. And they're finding once again that what the Bible said happened, when they said it happened, where they said it happened, when they dig there, they find out it did happen over and over and over. So much so that secular archaeologists today are going to the Bible not for a religious book, but for a road map to help them go find the next dig because they want successful dig to keep getting the grants and the funding they need to keep digging. And they said it's something about that Bible. When it points to a place, it, if we go there, it's there because the Word of God is true. Another way you can trust the Bible is the consistency from the beginning to the end. How in the world could you take all of these 66 books that were written by 40 different authors over a period of over 1,500 years in three different continents. You got Asia, and you got Africa, and you got Europe, and three different languages Hebrew, Aramaic, and, and Greek. Yet it's consistent. It tells the story of redemption from the beginning to the end. It is absolutely amazing. That could not have happened unless there was one author. Well, there's not one author that can live 1,500 plus years of writing and be in three different continents, at the, some of them at the same time, and have three different languages, and, and have uh, all of those 66 books inconsistent. Uh, no man could do that uh, because he can't live that long, or woman, but the Holy Spirit can. And the Bible's author is the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. It was divinely inspired by God. Then there's the extra biblical writings. There's these secular news reporters, these secular historians, these secular bloggers of the day, you know, if I wanted to say it that way, who are just observing what's going on in society. And these extra biblical writings come alongside and support that what the Bible said happened really happened in the, um, in the characters of the Bible when they were here during the time. Everything backs it up and lines up that. And then there's that scientific accuracy and foresight. I love that. The Bible said in Psalms 19 and 6 that the, the sun is on a circuit. And, and, and here, uh, our astronomers and everybody said, that, you know, the sun is still. The earth surrounds the sun. It's on an orbit, but not the sun. And then as they get more technology and found out later on, wait a minute, the sun also in the galaxy has an orbit. It, it goes on as well as the earth orbits around the sun. The Bible was true. The Bible says that the earth was round. 
And, and, and everybody said, that Bible is wrong. It, you, you proved the Bible's wrong because the Bible says the earth is round. We know the earth is flat. <laughs> Guess what we found out? You can get in a boat and go out to the horizon and you don't fall off of the edge. It just keeps on going. And if you keep going, you'll come all the way back to where you started because the earth is round just like the Bible said. The Bible said that the earth is suspended in the atmosphere without any strings and without any chains holding it up. It is just suspended there. Everybody said, that's crazy. The Hindus said, no, no, the earth is on the back of an elephant. It's on the back of a turtle swimming in a sea. Now, that takes some faith to believe that, okay? But nonetheless, that's some of the stuff. The Greeks believed the, the, this mythological god, Athens, carried the earth on his shoulder. But you know what? God said, nope, it's just hanging out there on nothing. Well, then comes Isaac Newton, comes along and discovers gravity and finds out that the gravitational force in the pull, uh, because of the way God had set it up, has the earth just suspended on nothing. <laughs> Praise God. Whatever the Bible says has always come true. The Bible says the stars are innumerable. You cannot count them. And, that's, and there was those that said, no, I looked through my little glass and I counted 1,086. Another says, ah, you, are, you double counted. There was only 1,056. Another one says, ah, y'all are just exaggerators. I only counted 1,020. The Bible says they're innumerable. They laughed at the Bible. Said the Bible says the stars can't be counted. My goodness, look, I've counted. It's just 1,000 plus. And then they get a more powerful glass, and they look up, and they're like, whoa, whoa. And then a more powerful glass, whoa. And then they've got glasses that look beyond our galaxy. And they say, well, our galaxy's got billions of stars, and then there's billions of stars in all these other galaxies, and the galaxies are endless. So you know what? The stars are innumerable. Everything the Bible says always gets back up with technology. Praise God. And then there's that manuscript evidence. You say, oh boy, now that's, a, that's something I really wanted to come to church and study. Well, it's important. It's important. A manuscript is any surviving handwritten copy uh, of an ancient document that predates the invention of the printing press in 1455. And did you know today more than 25,000, come on, say that out loud, 25,000 partial and complete uh, copies of the Bible of these handwritten manuscripts of the New Testament as well as thousands of copies of the Old Testament. And then in 1947, because some people were saying, oh, okay, well, you got the copies, but as it gets translated year after year and copies are made, people are inserting their own will and they're, they're, they're changing it. So what you have today is kind of like that gossip chain. You know the gossip chain? I come over here and I tell Townsend, you know, mama has purple hair. And then by the time it gets over here, you said there was a, a flying purple people eater that, that uh, ate my mama or something. You know, it gets changed, okay? So, uh, but, but then in 1947, there's this little shepherd boy, and he's out there by the Dead Sea in the caves there. He loses his goat. I'm not going to do it, Morgan, okay? And he loses the goat, but he goes looking for the goat. And then he finds there these jar clay, uh, uh, clay jars that had these leather manuscripts uh, preserved in it. And he gets the adults there, and they get the archaeologists there, and they find there all of these Dead Sea Scrolls. And guess what? They found that every, there was a copy of every book in the Old Testament discovered in their findings in the Dead Sea Scrolls, with the exception of Esther. And in some cases, there was multiple copies preserved, 19 copies of Isaiah, 25 copies of Deuteronomy, 30 copies of Psalms, all there. And guess what? When they got these copies and they took them and compared them to some of the original manuscript, they found out that through the years, with all those thousands and thousands of handwritten copies, that man had been lying, that they weren't changing the story, that it was still exactly the same that there was like a divine hand that was causing these uh, scribes to copy it exactly. They were preserving the integrity of what was being said. Hallelujah. 
Isaiah 40 and 8 says, The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God stands forever. There is a supernatural source. There's a supernatural power. There's a supernatural anointing of God behind the word of God. You need to take your Bible. You need to read your Bible. You need to believe your Bible. You need to confess your Bible. You need to stand on your Bible. You need to plan your life by your Bible because it is the supernatural communication and instruction and insight and heartbeat of God that he has given to us. Hallelujah. And then there's the Bible's transparency about its authors. Boy, they tell on themselves. Man, if we were writing this in our own will, if I was writing my book, there's some things I wouldn't tell you. I can promise you right now. I have done some stupid things as a teenager that we ain't going to be talking about. I got under the blood. I don't even like to think about it. I like it under the blood of Jesus. Amen. Under the blood, washed as white as snow, far as the east is from the west. God never brings it up again. I don't want to bring it up again. Okay. But these were not men writing to try and promote themselves. They were under divine assignment. There was supernatural inspiration, and they were telling it just the way it was. Here's David having written about himself. I mean, here he is, a man after God's own heart, but a man committed adultery. A man had this, that woman's Bathsheba's wife, Uriah, killed. I'm telling you, some of the ugly, ugly stuff. We could go on and on. Peter cutting off a man's ear, showing his uh, outrage and anger and exploit. Uh, on and on it would go. So, so that shows you that this was not man's uh, uh, propaganda or trying to, it's PR of their own, public relations of their own. They were under divine assignment. Then the persecution of the early church. Let me tell you what. Let me tell you what. They said, we will let you go. We will not kill your wife. We will not kill your children. We will not torture you unto death if you'll recant and say what you saw, say you saw is not real. Or if you'll say what the word of God has said to you is not real. And they said, you know, I can change anything. I can change my career. I can change where I live. I can change anything, but I can't change that truth. They said, I've got to stand by the truth. They said, we're going to behead you. And they lost their head. We're going to crucify you. They were crucified. We're going to open your entrails and let the inside of you spill out onto the, into, into the soil and let the birds and the critters come. And, and while you're still alive, we're going to do that to you. They said, you've got to do what you've got to do, but I cannot. I cannot back off of what I know to be true. The word of God is true. I was with Jesus. I did hear Jesus. That is what Jesus said. This is the truth. I cannot recant. I cannot back down. And let me tell you what, martyr after martyr after martyr, the persecution of the early church, nobody will stand up for a lie. You can get two brothers that are pretty close, and you can get them separated in a crime, and you can go to one brother as the prosecutor, and you can say, I'll work your deal out. I'll give you full immunity if you'll tell on your brother. And, and it, otherwise, you may have life in prison. Man, they will recant. They will turn on one another. They'll say, you know what? Yep, yep, that's right. Yeah, uh, Jim Bob did it. It's all he, he did it. It's all him. Uh, I was just there driving, thinking we were going to pick up a pizza, you know, whatever. And, uh, and they'll turn, stay there, they'll turn on them. But let me tell you what, not one of the early church fathers would turn. They said, you can kill me, you can kill my family, you can torture me. I cannot recant. This is the truth. This is what he said. This is what he did. That's powerful evidence. And then there's the transforming power of the, of the word of God for good. I'm telling you, the word of God is a living. The Bible says it's alive, it's active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Let me tell you what, the word of God is powerful. It will move into the worst of situations and bring about a turnaround. It will move into the worst of economies and bring about a turnaround. It can move into the worst of physical condition and bring about a turnaround. It can move into the worst of relational situation and bring about a turnaround. There is power. Power, wonder-working power in the Word of God. You've got to know that you can trust the Word. You can believe the Word. You can stand on the Word. You can confess the Word. You can live the Word. And you can experience its reality in 2019. And then there's the testimony of Jesus. I'm telling you what, what else do you need when you get beyond that? The testimony of Jesus. Jesus said that the word of God is without error. That's what he said in John 17 and 17. 
in his prayer to his father, he says, Father, thy word, it is truth. Your word is truth. It is without error. He said it's historically reliable. Jesus says, you know Jonah? The Bible talks about Jonah. Well, Jonah was real. Jesus said that. That was real story. This wasn't just some story to make a point. That was real. He was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And then he talks about Noah. Jesus does. He says, you know, it's Noah. As he was going into the ark on the day that he went, he and his family went into the ark, people were giving and drinking and marrying and marrying and marrying. They were just like living their own lives until the doors were closed. So he tells that these, what the Bible said, these stories were not just Christian Bi or Bible stories that you tell your Sunday school class, Jesus affirmed them as they were reality. So he says they were historically reliable. You know, Jesus says the Bible is divinely authoritative, so much so that when the devil comes against you, you can use the Word of God. In Matthew 4 and 4, he says, it is written, 4 and 4, 4 and 6, it is written, 4 and 10, it is written. As Satan came against him, Jesus used the Word of God. He says that Jesus said it's accurate uh, regarding human origins. He says, have you not read that God is the one who created us from the beginning and made us male and female? God did that. You didn't come from a monkey. God made you male and female, created you in his image from the beginning. You can go to Smithsonian down in D.C. and uh, they'll try to tell you you came from this and that and the other. But I'm telling you what, I'm going with what God said. And God's affirmed it through his word that we were created in his image and he breathed into our nostrils the breath of life, his breath, and he has given us eternal life that we have a spirit, soul, and body, come on now, created in his image, and that we find from the word of God. And then Jesus said in John 10, 35, the scripture cannot be broken. He said it is infallible, it is dependable, it is unbreakable, the word of God. And he also said it is indestructible. We found that to be true because the devil's thrown everything he has at it. Every tool, every arsenal he has, he is fired at the word of God and it is indestructible. Here's Pastor Rodica here. Uh, before I met her three years, before I met her, when we planted this church, we were smuggling Bibles, a part of International Samaritan Health and Aid, smuggling Bibles with medical supplies into Romania. Had been uh, even before uh, the communism and that revolution took place because the dictator says, there will not be a Bible in Romania. Not under my leadership. We'll burn them or turn them into toilet paper. Ha, huh, let's see how that goes. And let me tell you what, that's what he did. And guess what? At our engagement, uh, her brother stood here at the church and held up this big Bible. It's almost as big as the top of this pulpit here. And he held his big Bible up. And he says, let me tell you the story about this Bible. He said, this Bible survived the dictator's uh, annihilation of Scripture. It has been hidden. It was hidden by God. It was preserved. And he says, uh, my mom was out taking Bibles that were sent there from this church, these little New Testament Psalms and Proverbs Bibles we were sending. She was out sneaking them. Little Sabina, sneaking. She's still, wow, I mean, she's what, 75 now, still a preaching, going after it, evangelistic woman. And she was sneaking these Bibles out by the tram station. And she had this uh, intoxicated fellow there, and she's giving him a Bible and telling him he needs Jesus. And, and he says, ha, that ain't no Bible, that little old thing. I got a real Bible. My Bible's as big as this tram. And she's like, oh, that couldn't be because the dictator said he was destroying all the Bibles. A Bible that big would have made it. He says, come here tomorrow and I'll show you my big Bible. She thought he was just drunk, but she wanted to meet him there, trying to get him saved and delivered. Got there the next day at the tram station with her little New Testament. And she goes to hand it to him and sneak it to him. And he has this bag. And he opens up this bag, and there's this big Bible, almost as big as this pulpit top here. And, uh, and, and he says, my, I think he says, my grandfather, great-grandfather was a preacher. And we've hidden this Bible over the years, and it survived. And because you're so bold, woman, I'll give you this Bible for that little Bible. And they made a switch. And then little Sabina, she's a sneaky little girl, she smuggled that Bible out of Romania to America when she came here years later. And now Cornell is holding up this Bible. And I love Bibles. I love the Word of God. I collect Bibles, uh, antique Bibles. I love Bibles. And I'm looking and I'm drooling. 
and he said, uh, Tim has just, uh, Pastor Tim has just proposed to Rodika and their uh, engagement. We met with the family, and the family's decided we want to give Pastor Tim this Bible. And there on the center of it, on the leather, it's a leather cover, has a black spot. He says they wanted to preserve the pages and not lose the pages and protect it. So to show God they still loved his word, they would just kiss the Bible right here at the foot of the cross. And the acid from their lips had burnt that. Well, that Bible's in my house right now. It's in my office right now. And it's got that big black spot still on it. And I'm still preserving it. And it's a testimony that the devil cannot erase the word of God. Hallelujah. It is indestructible. Praise God. I just love it. I love the stories after story, the supernatural intervention of God. So now I want us to look today on how we decided to put what books we did in the Bible because that becomes the next question. Well, I can believe that one, but that book says things in it I don't like, so I don't believe that one's supposed to be there. Uh-uh. We're going to look at what we call canonization, how we get the authority of the Word of God. So if Scripture is to be our sole authority, on what authority do we know each book belongs in the Bible? And that's a very, very important question. And, uh, and, and so we're going to look at how they're linked together. So here we're going to consider various links that are comprising God's communication to us. Now, the first one is this. First came God's desire to communicate. This is not something man came up with. This Bible is not something a council came up with. It is God who made the decision that with this, my created man, uh, mankind, I want to communicate with them. So this comes to us from God. This is not something we took to try and build a bridge to God. It's God to us, not us to God. The next came the actual transmission of God's word through human writers. So God is now moving. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. And that word inspiration is from a Greek word, uh, two, a word made up of two parts, theo, God, and, and uh, nuo, which is to breathe. So this word inspiration means God breathed. So what we have, all scripture is given by inspiration or the breath of God. God breathed this. So God decided I want to communicate with mankind and how I'm going to do it is I'm going to breathe. I'm going to breathe scripture. Hallelujah. He made us in his own image out of clay and breathed into our nostrils life well, what we have in our hands, this Bible, is also has the breath of God in it. That's why you, as a creative order of God, with the breath of God in you, as an eternal being, can open up this Bible, and you can read maybe something that was written a thousand years ago, but it gives life to you. It comes alive. It becomes a rhema. It becomes reality. And you're like, how did that happen? How is this speaking to me? And that's why still the best, most quoted, the best, most translated, the best, most uh, published book in all of the world, because it's alive. It's alive. Hallelujah. It has the breath of God in it. So after inspiration comes dissemination. And this was the word of God being delivered to the audiences through preaching and other means. That, this is God's plan. Let me tell you, if it was my plan, there would be no preachers, okay? If I had to be the preacher, because that's not something <clears throat> that I grew up saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to, I think a good career would be being a preacher. And I never had a thought, never had a thought. Actually, shy. My brother is the character. Jim, Bob, if you're watching, you know I'm talking to you. My, and I told mom, I got to go to Bible school. She said, why are you going to Bible school? I, got, I, I, got, God, I think I'm supposed to be a preacher. She said, no, you're not. Your brother would be the preacher if God's calling a preacher because he's the Jesse Duplantis of the family. He is the character of characters. He is the talker of talkers. He's going to get the spotlight no matter what crowd you're in. And he's so much fun. I'm the one they forgot they had. I was the one that they're like, oh, Jim, yeah, what did his name be? Rhyme with Jim. I know we got another boy, uh, Tim, yeah, that's it. Where's Tim? 
Oh, I'm standing right here. I'm telling you, I was always in the background, always wanting to be silent, always just supportive. And I told God when he called me to preach, no, God, I just want to support the pastor. I'll support the church. I'll sneak money in. I'll sneak. I'll do it anonymously. Just don't make me leave the back row and come to the front row. And God says, I've called you. I've called you. I dream about it. Oh, my goodness, I can't. I can't. God says, you can and you will. Let me tell you what. God, he brought forth the inspiration of his word to be communicated through a dissemination of the preaching. How will they hear? How will they know unless they hear? How will they hear unless one is sent? And, 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 and it's the Bible talks about we, we follow him as he sends those that preach the word of God. Hallelujah. So now I'm, I'm a part of it. I thank God that I'm a part of it. But let me tell you what. I know I'm a part of the supernatural divine uh, 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 system of God. This is not me. It ain't about me. I'm not trying to build up a Tim Lambert kingdom. So don't you even try to sign up for it. I'm here to point you to the word of God. And I'm here to point you to the God of the word. And I'm here to point you to his son, Jesus Christ. And point you to be filled with his spirit so that you can live that supernatural life that he has for you. And then came recognition as God's people distinguished Holy Scripture from other writings. They said there's something about these, these, these words are unlike any other word. They had power to transform. They had this, they had that. And, and they said, we've got to recognize that these are God's word. And once they did, then they came in with preservation so that it would survive. And you know what? That preservation not only came from decision, but it also came by assistance of the Holy Spirit that these martyrs, as they were challenged to, to uh, recant and challenged to deny, there was a supernatural, a supernatural spirit of God, of power that would come upon them, and they would say no, and they would preserve the integrity of God's word unto death. Hallelujah. I believe every one of those martyrs have a special place in heaven because they surrendered to the supernatural power of God to stand under the trial, to stand under the test, to preserve God's word so that we today could know we can trust the Bible. And then after uh, preservation comes illumination. And this is where the Holy Spirit opens the believer's understanding to the receive the word. The good news is when you take the word of God and you're committed to study it, you're committed to memorize it, you're committed to live by it, not only are you reading the breath of God, the presence of God, the word of God, you're also receiving supernatural, uh, divine uh, illumination. The Holy Spirit is working. The author of this book is with you. Today, last week I said, Brother Joe had to leave second service and we didn't have the author of Victor to Victim or Victim to Victor with us. He had to go to another assignment. But I said, that's not true with the Holy Spirit. He's always present with every one of you, with every place that you're in when you'll take the Word of God. When you'll open the Scripture up, you have the author with you and he is working supernaturally to give you illumination of his Word. Hallelujah. So I thank God for that. And so we know God is involved in every step of the process. And why would God go to such lengths to inspire his word and then not preserve it? And why would he speak to us and then fail to guide us in recognizing his speech? He's involved in every one of these steps or links that I have in this chain of canonization. And again, I go back to that word canonization because it comes from the word canon which in the Greek is canon, with a K, meaning read or measuring rod to determine accuracy and exactness. So this Bible that we have is the canonized Word of God. It has met, uh, been measured up against the measuring rod of what is truly divine authority of Scripture. And there are many other books that have historical value, that have a lot of insights that you can get, a lot of wisdom, but they did not meet the measuring rod. You can get a Catholic Bible and it'll have like, books of the Apocrypha there. Uh, they didn't meet a canonization, so there, there's some historical value maybe in some of them. But let me tell you what, they didn't meet up to the measuring rod of canonization of Scripture. Uh, because a, canon a canonical book is one that measures up to the standard of Holy Scripture. And that's what we have in our Bible. 
And we're careful to say that God determined the canon and the church discovered the canon, okay? It wasn't that men got together and said, we're going to determine what the canon of Scripture is. It didn't work that way. When you study the whole process of canonization, you see the hand of God was there guiding and directing and leading men into discovering what God wanted determined. Hallelujah. It is absolutely a phenomenal study because the church, the canon of Scripture was not created by the church. Rather, the church discovered and recognized it so in other words, God's word is inspired. God's word is authoritative from its inception. And Psalms 119.89 says, and it stands firm in the heavens. The God's word stands firm in the heavens. I love the way J.I. Packer said it so neatly. He said, the church no more gave us the New Testament canon than Sir Isaac Newton gave us the force of gravity. One of them determined it and one of them discovered it. God determined it. And, and, and Sir Isaac Newton discovered it, okay? So God, so God gave us gravity by his work of creation, and similarly, he gave us the New Testament canon by inspiring the individual books that make it up. Praise God. So what we have is the canon of Scripture. You can trust what you have in your Bible. Now, I'm trying to, trying to get the tightest thing on both ends so that when we leave here, we, we truly don't let anything spill out. I want us to look at the criteria used for recognizing and collecting the Word of God uh, for the New Testament canon of Scripture. And this is just a list there of, of the things. It had to be apostolic. There had to be apostolic authorship or association. That was one of the measuring reads for the New Testament canon. Uh, it wasn't just something that somebody was a bystander writing about. It had to be one that uh, had been with Christ or met Christ as Paul did on the road to Damascus and uh, received direct counsel from him. Uh, was the writer uh, authenticated by miracles to confirm the message? Uh, because God confirmed the canon of Scripture with miracles, and those miracles had to be there to back that up. Was it consistent with doctrine and orthodox teaching? That was important, because if it was something that went off into another field and just totally didn't keep with the redemptive story, uh, it didn't have the miracles backing it up. It wasn't uh, uh, apostolic in its authorship or association. They knew it wasn't a part of Scripture uh, to be. Uh, did the, uh, does the book evidence a divine capacity to transform lives? Has these words that met all these others, when it's shared with others, does it change their lives? Does it change their life? If it doesn't have the power to change people's lives, then it, it, that they showed that part of the measuring read. It's not a, a canon. And was the book accepted by, as God's word by the people that was, it was first delivered to, the contemporaries that received it in that day, because they were closest to Christ. They were closest to his teaching. Many of them had walked with Jesus and heard. And it's like, is what you're saying what Jesus said? We heard what he said. And these writings, is it align up with that? And one of the most important ones is that first one was the book written by an apostle or have apostolic approval. That was the chief test of conicity in the early church. And that was so important to them because the apostles and the prophetic nature was the foundation that God was building upon. And they had to look at that. That's why God tells us in Ephesians 2 and 20 that the household of God is built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. So God tells us that the, the, the foundation for everything of building this church is going to be based on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the great thing of all is no matter what man was used to bring us the scripture, it was not his in, uh, doings alone. That there was truly the author of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was present. The Holy Spirit was inspiring. The breath of God, the pneuma of God, was moving on these men. And in John 14 and 26, Jesus said, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you to your remembrance all things that I said to you. So in our business, we publish books as one of the things we do, and we've got a contract we're looking at now. They're wanting a ghostwriter. 
uh, and a ghostwriter will come in and write for them. Well, let me tell you what. Uh, uh, the Bible has a ghostwriter, but it's the Holy Ghost writer. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost wrote the Bible. Praise the Lord. And John 16 and 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. We have the Holy Spirit as the author of the Bible. I'm telling you, how cool is that? That God is working through these apostles. He's working through uh, uh, these men of old, and he is giving us the divine uh, word that he wants for us. And this is true in the contemporary age it was written because the church at Thessalonica received God, Paul's words as the word of God. They knew it was coming from Paul, but they recognized this is supernatural. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a word from men, but as it is, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. So he said, Paul is recognized. You guys, when I brought this to you, you too realized that this wasn't the word of me. This, was a, this is God speaking. This is, this is the word of God. Paul's epistles were circulated through the church during that time. And even during that apost uh, apostolic times there, they, they accepted them as the word of God. Colossians 4 and 16. Now when the epistle is read among you, see that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans and that all likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And then Apostle Peter recognizes Apostle Paul's writings as inspired by God. And he equated them to Scripture in 2 Peter 3 and 15. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. So Peter's saying, look, Paul, by wisdom of God, has, he's come to you, he's written to you with these epistles, speaking in them of thing, these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people will twist to their own destruction. Look what he says here. As they do also with the rest of Scripture. So here's the Apostle Peter saying, as we look at the Old Testament and how they're trying to twist the Old Testament with what Paul has shared with you is not from him, it's from God, and they're trying to twist it too, just like the rest of Scripture. So the Apostle Peter is saying what Paul is writing is Scripture. And then Paul quotes the Gospel of Luke and calls it Scripture. So we see there's the Gospel even called Scripture in Scripture. 1 Timothy 5 and 18. For the, for the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. He's uh, quoting from Deuteronomy 25 and 4. But giving it the same weight of scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, he says, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. Luke 10 and 7. So he's calling these scriptures. That is so very important. I don't know about you, church. I know this can get a lot of heady and all that stuff, but to get to the heart, we've got to go through the head. You see what I'm saying? A lot of people say, to get to my heart, you've got to go through my feet. It's got to feel like dancing, dancing. Okay, you feel like dancing, but let me tell you what. If you feel like dancing, if the mood changes, if the tempo changes, you can, that same feeling, you can feel all happy, you can feel all sad. You can feel all victorious, you can feel all defeated. Come on now. You live by your feelings, you're going to find a roller coaster lifestyle. But when you can get to the heart through the head, renew the mind. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Our mind is renewed. As our mind is renewed, we're conformed not to the image of this world, but we're transformed a metamorphosis into the likeness of God. Hallelujah. We can have a supernatural transformation. We need our minds renewed. So we need some sermon, sermons like this, okay? And we, I like the dancing now, but I want the dancing coming from my head to my heart to my feet. I don't want it coming from my feet to my heart to my head because let me tell you what, the devil can pull that string. He can make it a sunshiny day, can have a storm cloud come and change it to a rainy lightning run in the house and hide for your life evening. Uh, that's how it can change when you try to live by emotion. But let me tell you what, and I'm not against emotion. No, no, no. I want us to dance before the Lord. I want us to shout to God. I want us to lift up holy hands. I want us to praise him. He is worthy. He is worthy. I want us to give him glory and honor and praise. I want us to outdo the angels because the angels aren't redeemed by the blood like we are. We're saved by grace. We got more to thank God for. We got more to praise God for. And the angels are worshiping him night and day. Holy, holy, holy. We've got so much more. I want us to do that. 
but I want us to do it because our heart is established by faith in the Word of God that we know, that we know we can trust, that we know no matter what the circumstances look like, this is what the Word of God says. And the circumstances can't change the Word of God, but the Word of God can change the circumstances. Hallelujah. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is a power of God. Let me tell you what we have in this word is a power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. There is no other book in all of the world that can have a 60-year-old man who's had a 60-year bondage hear a 60-minute message from the Bible and come to the altar and pray a 60-second prayer and have his heart totally transformed so much so that he'll go home and go to pour that drink and say, I don't need that anymore. And he'll go to the drugs and say, you know, I don't need that anymore. And where his heart is totally transformed and that, he, that, which, he, that which was filled with hate becomes filled with love and that which was filled with unforgiveness becomes filled with forgiveness. And he goes from bondage to freedom and sadness to joy. Do you hear what I'm saying? Defeat to victory. All because of the Word of God. There is power in the Word of God. There are billions today whose lives have been transformed by the Word of God. Hallelujah. Oh my goodness, you can trust the Bible. You can trust the Bible. It provides the answer. It provides the promise. It provides the truth you need for every situation. I'm, I'm here to tell you today, no matter what you are facing, the Word of God has an answer for it. No matter what circumstance you're in today, the Word of God has a transforming answer and power for it. You may be depressed and not know what to do. The Bible, let me tell you what, can bring forth light and can bring forth hope hope and can bring forth instruction in the middle of that darkness. Uh, you may need a turnaround today. Let me tell you what the Word of God has uh, the answer that you need. Uh, if you need wisdom, it has the answer that you need. Uh, you may be dealing with an addiction. Let me tell you what I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that breaks the addiction. It breaks you out of bondage. It breaks you from the chains. Uh, I'm telling you, you may need a spouse in your life. I'm telling the Word of God can go to Romania and bring them to America if you need to. Hallelujah. And put the right people together. Uh, if you need a miracle, let me tell you what, your miracle is in the making. Your miracle is ready. Your miracle is in the Word. It is the power of God. It is the power of God to bring forth the miracle of your life. If you need peace, you can get it from the Word. If you're sick and need healing, He sent His Word and healed our diseases. Uh, your healing is in the Word. Your healing is in the Word. Your breakthrough is in the Word. Come on now. Whatever you're facing, whatever you're facing, you can find it in the Word of God. Oh, you may come in here and say, I'm down in the dumps. Well, let me tell you what, the Word of God can take, reach you in the midst and the bottom of the pit and can rescue and lift you up out of that miry clay, can lift you up out of the dumps, hallelujah, and set your feet on a rock that is higher. You may say, I need a friend. The Word of God has an answer for that. You say, I need an open door that no man can close. The Word of God has an answer for that. You say, I need a closed door that no man can open. The Word of God has a, a, an answer for that. You need wisdom from God? You need a breakthrough on your job? You need your you see your children serve the Lord? The Word of God has instructions for all of that. Let me tell you, whatever the problem is, the Word of God has a problem for that. If you want to see your wayward children come back, let me tell you what, the Word of God can be the net that you can throw out and bring them back. There's a power, there's a power of the gospel, there's a power of the gospel that can turn the vilest uh, and the, those that are seemingly the least uh, 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 likely and they will become uh, the ones that lead uh, into the next generation. You don't give up on anybody because you don't give up on the Word. You send the Word after them. Hallelujah. That's what God said in Jeremiah 1 and 12. The Lord said to me, you have seen well for I am ready to perform my Word. God said I'm ready to perform my Word. One translation of that Hebrew text says, I am watching over my Word to see it fulfilled. So God says, 
whoever will take my word, believe my word, trust my word, and apply my word, I'm watching over it and see it fulfilled. Another translation, King James says, I will hasten my word to perform it. God's ready to perform it. God's ready to work a miracle in your life. God's ready to bring more healing in your life. God's ready to bring breakthrough in your life. God's ready to bring promotion in your life. God's ready to bring reconciliation in your life. God's ready to bring you up, bring you out, bring you into the light, bring you into his glory, bring you into the peace that he has for you that surpasses all understanding. He's ready to do it. He's watching over his word. He said, I've given you my word. I've given you my word. You can trust my word. It's divinely inspired. It's my breath. You can take it. And if you'll take it and believe it, I'm watching over it to perform it so you can receive it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. One translation says, God says, I'm watching over my word to advance it. That means he wants to advance you with his word. He wants to advance you. He wants to take you to the next level. And you say, well, I don't know if it's for me or not. Let me tell you what, 2 Corinthians 1.20, for all the promises of God are yes and amen in him. In Christ, they're all yes and amen. To the glory of God through you. To the glory of God through you. You're the conduit, you're the lightning rod that God wants the power of the gospel to work through. He wants not only to bless you, he wants you to be so blessed that the people around you want to receive the blessing from the blesser and get to know your God. He wants your life to be a living testimony of the supernatural to the people around you. He wants you to be the lightning rod that draws for the power of God, the kingdom of God, the work in heaven that he wants on earth in and through your life. Church, it's time we rise up and stand on the word and believe the word and say you know I'm going to live a supernatural life oh I pray you would not go into this week just to get make do and get by that you would walk out of here as a man or woman of faith a man or woman of God saying I'm walking in the word I'm believing the word I'm claiming the word and you take a word you take whatever one you want just take it they're all yes and amen to the glory of God through you and say God you're going to work it through me this week because I'm not going to back down unto death I'm not going to back down oh God I'm going to stand on your word when the circumstances says it'll never happen I'm going to laugh ha 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 because circumstances you can't change the word but the word can change you you better get ready to change your clothes you better get ready to change your address of circumstances you gotta go because I'm standing on the word this week I'm gonna see the word work I'm gonna work the word and see the word work because God works his word he's watching over to work it he's watching over to perform it and he wants to do miracles in and through my life this week he's talking to you He's talking to you. Could we stand in his presence? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, we thank you that we can trust your word. That we can trust your word. Thank you, Jesus. Do you trust his word today? I pray that the preaching of the word has caused a hearing of faith to arise in you. For you to take and believe his word. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your holy name. God's word is dependable. So whatever he says, be committed to do it even before you know what he says. If you truly have faith to believe his word, and this is what I, I, I told God, I said, I, I see it this way, I'm posturing myself. I'm leaning into your word, even when I don't know what your word says, because I'm a student for life. But whatever your word says, I'm, I'm, I'm leaning into it. It may be something that challenges me beyond my level of comfort. That doesn't matter. I go into his word. I'm leaning into it. Maybe it's going to call for, for me to repent and, and to cast away some of the things that I'm comfortable with. I'm, I'm leaning into his word because I believe his word. I believe his word more than I've, I know God's plan for me is better than my plan for me. I know God's will for my life is greater than my will for my life. So I'm going to do what his word says. And I entered into this where he says, if I will believe in my heart, that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and confess with my mouth that he is my Lord, I shall be saved, saved, a sozo, soteria, sozo, that I'll be made whole, healed, delivered, and, and even my eternity is taken care of. I'm telling you, my name can be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but I've got to believe that Jesus is alive, as the Word declares, and I've got to confess my Lord. I've got to say I'm surrendered to your Lordship. 
Now, now that is not just a phrase. That is a change of heart to where I'm saying, Jesus, you're now my Lord. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying I'm surrendering my all to you. That whatever you say, I say yes. Whatever you want me to do, I say yes. Because either, see, there, you can't have this conflict. You either lord over all, or you can't use that word lordship because he's not lord at all. So a lot of folks are fooled into thinking that I can give God this part, I can give God that part, but this part, uh-uh, no, 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 I'm going to do that one my way. But the Bible said, ah, now we want to join in with those that say, well, you can't really trust the Bible. You, I hope that, don't you use that argument. Don't you use that argument. Because this word is going to outlast you. It's going to outlast you on this earth. And we're eternal beings. And this word tells us what eternity will look like for those who reject it and for those who accept it. I accept it. The word of God. Is he your Lord this morning? Or is there an area of your life that's still under your control? Oh, we got our arguments. We've got our little preach. We even do, we got a little preach of why we're going to preserve that area. He's not Lord over all. He's not Lord at all. And this Bible says if you'll confess his lordship over your life, you can be saved. Is there an area of your life you need to surrender to him this morning? Is there an area, maybe a relationship? Is there an area, maybe an ambition? Is there an area, maybe your health? Is there an area, maybe your, your wealth? That you're like, no, God, you're not touching that. No, -uh, no, 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 that's mine. He's either Lord over all or he's Lord, not Lord at all. That's what this living, powerful, trustworthy, supernaturally, divine inspired Word of God says. So if there's any area you identify today that you've not surrendered to God, would you surrender it to Him right now? You can, you can, bring, you can come down to this altar as a sign of surrender, kneel at this altar, you kneel at your seat, or you can stand, the posture of your body is not as important as the posture of your heart. Total surrender. Is there an area of your life that you've not given to God? If so, would you give it to him today? Because the word of God says, unless you're all in, you're not in at all. Young people, are you all in? Middle-aged, okay, middle-aged, are you all in? Seniors, are you all in? Father, we just take this time and we pray. Lord, I pray if there's someone here this morning that needs to surrender a part of their life to you that they've been holding on to or surrender all of their life to you, Lord, just move upon their heart. Let them come to this altar right now. Let them just come here as a sign, I'm surrendering my own. Lord God, that they would just come and say, Lord, I want to live my life for you. I want to live in the miracle zone. I want to live totally surrendered to you. If you've got any area, anything, and you want to come and put it on this altar, just come to this altar. The Spirit of God is drawing you to this altar, just come to this altar. We'll have a closing prayer around this altar, and we'll say, Lord, I give it all to you. I give it all to you. Is the Spirit of the Lord calling you? Is there an area of your life that you've been holding on to and you're ready to give it to the Lord? Is there an area that you've not totally surrendered and you're ready to surrender? Just come, just come, just come, just come, just come. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity you've given us be honest with ourselves as your word has been honest with us total surrender we confess your lordship Jesus I pray every one of you under the sound of my voice would confess lordship to Jesus Christ Jesus you're my Lord and my Savior 
I give my life to you to live and serve and honor you all the days of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Wash me with your blood white as snow. Pay my ransom. Pay it in full. I receive your gift of eternal life. I receive your gift of your presence and your word in me and flowing through me. I dedicate my life to you, to live for you, to serve you, to honor you, to study your word and to draw closer to you all the days of my life. That is my commitment to you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Let me say this one last thing in closing. This authoritative canon of Scripture, divinely authorized Word of God, tells us through the mouth of Jesus that if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. Now we know that the believing and the faith is how we're justified by faith. But faith without works is dead, and God has given us when availability is there. We know with the thief on the cross that was not an opportunity, but when opportunity is there, that we need to confess, make a public declaration of Jesus Christ's lordship over our life through baptism, which is a sign of being buried and raised back to the newness of life that God gives us. We have a baptism service coming up. I think it's not this Sunday coming, but the next. We have a baptism service. We've made it so easy for you. We don't have to go out to the ocean. We don't have to go find a place at the river or lake. We got a beautiful baptistry right behind this screen. We got men's changing bathroom, ladies changing bathroom. It's so good, it's so convenient. There's no excuse for us not to honor what this Bible commands of us. So if you've not been baptized, go by the Welcome Center get signed up so we can give you the instructions you need to be here for that baptism service so that you can truly honor the lordship of jesus christ over your life so we look forward to that god bless you i pray god's blessings and favor on each and every one of you may the love of god go before you